Hey everybody, it's Dan Dan here, and we are in part three of Bill's story. And in part one of Bill's story, we covered that incredible nuttiness of our inability to keep commitments in this world, that we make promises and we fail to keep them. And in part two, we discover that the only way that at least Bill discovered to keep promises, the only thing he ever saw that proved to him some sort of other thing was necessary, was that he had become so desperate. And he had hit this place in his life where he called himself hopeless. He had no hope of being able to get out of the trouble he was in. He had been in hospitals and asylums and treated for alcohol and repeatedly went back to drinking. And he wondered why. The insanity of it all. He doesn't want to do it anymore, but he does it anyway. And in steps a friend of him, friend of his, an old childhood friend named Evie Thacker, and they meet at his house. Ebby tells him he's got religion now, and that's why he doesn't drink anymore. And he's talking about Ebby's physical appearance being fantastic, and that the way that Ebby was talking was like so weird and foreign. It was obvious something huge had happened to Ebby. And it was very obvious to him from his hopeless position that he wanted what Ebby had. And he was developing the idea of God in that last bit that there's all sorts of ways to approach God. He didn't like to hear anything about God the Father or God the religion. He said that just, ooh, that irritated him. <laughs> like he couldn't believe. He didn't want to hear any of that. And he used the word universal spirit. And he gives us some other ideas like spirit of the universe and different terms we can use to approach God. And he talks about how Ebby introduced him to the idea of why don't you come up with your own conception of God? You know, you can physically write that down if you want. Write down what are the pros and cons of your God? How would your God behave? And what you can do with that as you work through the program of Alcoholics Anonymous and gain this new skill of life, you can weigh your own actions against that ideology. How am I living up to living my God through me? How am I living these things out? What we're going to do today in part three and, and the way that Bill's story is broken up and it gives us that tradition of what it used to be like, what happened, and we just did what happened in part two. Now we're going to do what it's like now. He's not sober yet. He's not had his last drink. He's going to get into that moment. And then he's going to talk about the ideas that kept him sober. So this is really important. We've made this turn from hopeless to a glimmer of light, a spiritual type experience where the acceptance of the possibility of a power greater than himself came into his mind and his soul, and he wasn't able to shake it. His long-time held prejudices weren't holding any weight anymore. And now he's going to give in to that. It's going to take a little bit more beating to do it. So we are on page 12 of the Alcoholics Anonymous big book. And the first word we're starting with is thus. So it's easy to find. It's a little ways down on page 12. I think it's uh, the second paragraph from the bottom. So as you find that, one more thought to think about. This story may have happened a long time ago, but still the story of all of us. We end up here because we are unable to keep commitments we make to ourselves and consequently the commitments we make to others. We get so caught up in that with guilt and remorse and feeling sorry for ourselves that we then begin to feel hopeless. We don't see any way to stop that cycle of events. We don't understand why an intelligent person is unable to just do what he says he's going to do. And then we discover God. So here we go. It says, thus was I convinced that God is concerned with us humans when we want him enough. At long last, I saw 
meaning he used his eyes, his senses. I felt his emotions got involved, and I believed his intellect got involved. Scales of pride and prejudice fell from my eyes. A new world came into view. All right, here's that transition. The real significance of my experience in the cathedral burst upon me. That's the cathedral back at the beginning of Bill's stories. For a brief moment, I had needed and wanted God. There had been a humble willingness to have him with me, and he came. But soon the sense of his presence had been blotted out by worldly clamors, mostly those within myself. And so it had been ever since. How blind had I been? At the hospital, I was separated from alcohol for the last time. Treatment seemed wise, for I showed signs of delirium tremens. There I humbly offered myself to God. Now, what does he mean? I humbly offered myself to God. And I think what he's saying is, I'm going to try a new set of directions. I saw what Ebby was doing. I'm going to try to do what Ebby's doing, right? There I humbly offered myself to God as I then understood him to do with me as he would. I placed myself unreservedly under his care and direction. I admitted for the first time that of myself, I was nothing. That without him, I was lost. I ruthlessly faced my sins and became willing to have my newfound friend take them away, root and branch. I have not had a drink since. Think about it, y'all. That is the spot we all want to get to. If you can find a little bit of willingness, this can start to happen. My schoolmate visited me, that's Ebby, and I fully acquainted him with my problems and deficiencies. We made a list of people I had hurt or toward whom I had felt resentment. I expressed my entire willingness to approach these individuals, admitting my wrong. Never was I to be critical of them. I was to write all such matters to the utmost of my ability. I was to test my thinking by the new God consciousness within me. Think about that. I'm going to test my thinking. I'm going to weigh it against this ideology of God that I understand, the way that I see God to be. Is my thinking the way that God would think? Is my actions the way I think that God would act? Those are the questions we walk away with this. Common sense would thus become uncommon sense. I was to sit quietly when in doubt asking only for direction and strength to meet my problems as he would have me meet them. Never was I to pray for myself. Oh, wait a second here. Never was I to pray for myself, but I got all these problems, Dan Dan. I need to get some stuff dealt with. I got court cases and my wife's gone. I'm out of money and my husband's gone and I kids and the car and the defects and the da-da-da-da and I got this bill. Holy moly, what do you mean? I, I, I've got, I, in fact, I need intercessory prayer from everybody in the group. Will everybody in the group pray for me? I need something and I need it now, right? Or there is this other idea. <laughs> I was to sit quietly when in doubt, asking only for direction and strength to meet my problems as he would have me do. He doesn't say that, but that's what I'm saying. Never was I to pray for myself, except as my request bore on my usefulness to others. Very critical point. The whole part of what it's like now for Bill Wilson is service to others, our usefulness to others. The doctor's opinion lends us onto this idea when he talks about what he saw Bill Wilson do. He saw them go out and carry his ideas over to other alcoholics. So 
It's an immediate service to others. And a lot of people in AA are sitting around, I got to do the steps. I got to be here. I got to be there. It's an immediate thing. And if you can just, you know, make the coffee and all that type of stuff, sweep up the room, straighten out the chairs, chair meetings, lead discussions, do that stuff, but immediately start to serve others. Express gratitude for the circumstances and opportunities that you find today. Service to others. We don't pray to get for ourselves unless it's going to be useful to others. So pray for the strength. Pray for the courage to stand up in front of the group and share. Pray for the knowledge to know who to ask about cleaning up the room. Simple things like that. But the best thing you can do to be in service to others, particularly the ones that love you, is to attend AA and do what AA asks you to do so that you are able to remain sober and begin to build this new life that all those people that love you want you to have. That's what they're after for you. So it goes back, and we're just going to go back a quick second. It says, never was I to pray for myself except as my request bore on my usefulness to others. Then only might I expect to receive, but that would be in great measure. It's the old reap what you sow idea, right? That I go first. I plant the seed first, but I'm going to get a lot more back if I take care of that seed. My friend promised, it's heavy again, when these things were done, I would enter upon a new relationship with my creator, that I would have the elements of a way of living which answered all my problems. Whoa. That's a big promise. Belief in the power of God, plus enough willingness, honesty, and humility to establish and maintain the new order of things were the essential requirements. Even though that sounds like a lot, all he's saying is, if you're going to follow these directions to the best of your ability, called the 12 Steps of Alcoholics Anonymous, and if you're going to do the program as it's described to us in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous and the 12 Steps and 12 Traditions, you are going to find success. And those are the requirements. Simple, but not easy. A price had to be paid. It meant destruction of self-centeredness. Whew. I must turn in all things to the Father of Light who presides over us all. The Father of Light, that's our sixth name of God in there that you are welcome to use. These were revolutionary and drastic proposals. But the moment I fully accepted them, the effect was electric. There was a sense of victory, followed by such a peace and serenity I had never known. There was utter confidence. I felt lifted up, as though the great clean wind of a mountaintop blew through and through. God comes to most men gradually, but his impact on me was sudden and profound. For a moment I was alarmed and called my friend the doctor, to ask if I were still sane. He listened in wonder as I talked. Finally, he shook his head, saying, Something has happened to you. I don't understand. But you had better hang on to it. Anything is better than the way you were. The good doctor now sees many men who have such experiences. He knows they are real. While I lay in the hospital, the thought came that there were thousands of hopeless alcoholics who might be glad to have what had been so freely given to me. Perhaps I could help some of them. They, in turn, might work with others. Hence, the idea of Alcoholics Anonymous. This is our fifth tradition, our primary purpose. This is why we exist. Because, perhaps, you might be able to help some of them, and they, in turn, may help others. 
Back to the story here. My friend had emphasized the absolute necessity of demonstrating these principles in all my affairs. Particularly was it imperative to work with others as he had worked with me. Faith without works was dead, he said, and how appallingly true for the alcoholic. For if the alcoholic failed to perfect and enlarge his spiritual life through work and self-sacrifice for others, he could not survive the certain trials and low spots ahead. If he did not work, he would surely drink again. And if he drank, he would surely die. Then faith would be dead indeed. With us, it is just like that. With you, it is just like that. With me, it is just like that. My wife and I abandon ourselves with enthusiasm to the idea of helping other alcoholics to a solution of their problems. It was fortunate, for my old business associates remained skeptical for a year and a half, during which I found little work. I was not too well at the time and was plagued by waves of self-pity and resentment. Resentment is a feeling of anger, you know, thinking of something in the past and it makes you mad or whatever. Regret, remorse, all that's in there. This sometimes nearly drove me back to drink, but I soon found that when all other measures failed, I found that when all other measures failed, work with another alcoholic would save the day. Many times I have gone to my old hospital in despair. On talking to a man there, I would be amazingly lifted up and set on my feet. It is a design for living that works in rough going. So that's what you're doing here. That's what the 12 steps do. That's what working with sponsees does. That's what's working with your sponsor does. That's what volunteering. All these things are necessary and available to you because this man here did the work to make it easy for you. He did this on his own. You get to do it with everybody in the room and with your sponsors and with people that you know. It's amazingly simple to show up, suit up, help out, and move on with life. We commence to make many fast friends and a fellowship has grown up among us of which it is a wonderful thing to feel a part. The joy of living we really have, even under pressure and difficulty. I've seen hundreds of families set their feet in the path that really goes somewhere. I've seen the most impossible domestic situations righted. That's true of me. Feuds and bitterness of all sorts wiped out. I've seen men come out of asylums and resume a vital place in the lives of their families and communities. Business and professional men have regained their standing. There is scarcely any form of trouble and misery which has not been overcome among us. Look around the room. Look around where you're at. Think about the meetings you go to. Those people have all overcome a variety of things that would probably confound you. Conundrums. Difficult problems that they didn't have any idea how to solve. And by focusing and giving themselves to a God of their own understanding and practicing the AA system of recovery, the process, the skills of recovery called the 12 steps, they've overcome so many things. In one Western city, it goes on to say, and in its environs, there are 1,000 of us and our families. We meet frequently so that newcomers may find the fellowship they seek. We meet so that newcomers can find us and find the fellowship that they're after, a group of people that will understand them, just like it's there for you. At these informal gatherings, one may often see from 50 to 200 persons. We are growing in numbers and power. 
An alcoholic in his cups is an unlovely creature. Our struggles with them are variously strenuous, comic, and tragic. One poor chap committed suicide in my home. He could not, or would not, see our way of life. There is, however, a vast amount of fun about it all. I suppose some would be shocked at our seemingly worldliness and levity. Levity is a lack of serious behavior. But just underneath, there is a deadly earnestness, a genuine feeling that life is on the line here, that we really are here to save lives, that this meeting, that this group, that this sponsor you have, that the people you sponsor, you really are in place to save a life in a very real way. Faith has to work 24 hours a day in and through us or we perish. Most of us feel we need look no further for utopia. We have it with us right here and now. Each day, my friend's simple talk in our kitchen multiplies itself in a widening circle of peace on earth and goodwill to men. So as we walk away from that, maybe the discussions around what do you want sober to be like? What are you looking for or what have you gotten out of sober living by following and living the 12 steps that you find remarkable? What blows you away about recovery? Or if you're new, what is it about recovery that you're after? Is it getting one of those relationships back? Are there old feuds that you need to get right? Is it a debt that you owe that you think about and you go, oh, why did I do that? Why did I take that money? Why haven't I paid it back? Is it some sort of activity that you did that you know, you really regret. What is it that you want to be rid of? Because Bill's telling us here that this program of recovery called Alcoholics Anonymous can save you and get you back on track. That both mind, your intellect, your belief structure, your emotions can be handled in a brand new way. That it can solve virtually any problem. And it's not because it has exact solutions for all your problems. It's because you're going to rely on a power greater than you to direct your actions going forward. And in doing so, have a very different quality of problems. I'll tell you, for me, that's true. And the more I relent to the idea that God is at work and God is good in my life, that that good orderly direction is really good, or maybe God means a group of drunks as you look around a room at a meeting, that this is the way out of your trouble. You may not have any other option. So we welcome you to AA and I, for one, am grateful that you're here. No matter where on planet Earth you might hear this, because even there, we're connected. We're wrecked in the same vessel. And if we were to sit down today, we would find we had a whole lot in common. So I hope you guys have a great discussion. And the discussion is around how has God worked in your life or how do you want God to work in your life? I hope you guys enjoy the talk.